Welcome back in, Brady Farkas Show here on a Friday, a football talk Friday, but no Patriots talk Friday today. No Pats game to preview. It feels a little empty inside. So joining me now is our Patriots insider from NBC Sports Boston, Phil Perry. Phil, first question I just got to know, what was it like, boots on the ground, Monday night weather-wise? You almost blew over in pregame live, I thought. I did, almost, and thank you for noticing because it was – it was something else out there. It was fun, honestly. It was not so devastatingly cold that, you know, it was one of those days where you really couldn't feel any of your fingers or toes after being outside for about 30 minutes. Like, I remember, I want to say it was the AFC Championship game in 2019. So it was the 2018 season in Kansas City. Yeah. That was one of the coldest stadium experiences that I've ever experienced. And, Buffalo was very cold. It was really just the force of the wind, though, that made it so different. It, it wasn't um, it wasn't so uncomfortable otherwise. It was just that wind, which obviously had a massive, massive impact in the game. They, they occasionally would get, you know, for about 10 minutes or so, either snow or some sort of wintry mix. And there were a couple uh, TV hits that we did where it just felt like one side of my face was just getting pummeled <laughs> by like these little itty bitty tiny pieces of hail. Uh, so that was good. That was good. It felt like, um, you know, I went back to the car after that one, like my face had just been attacked <laughs> by, by fire ants or something, but uh, otherwise uh, it was fine. It was, uh, it was, it was honestly, again, it was fun. Like the crowd was all around you that you get Bill's mafia there trying to mess with the camera shot and heckling you and all that stuff. It, it was a good time. Here's how I looked at Monday night from a game plan perspective. It was creative and it worked, so therefore we can't really criticize it. But at the same time, the Pats were 2 of 12 on third down. You take out the Damian Harris run, they only ran three and a half yards a carry. And the Bills had a chance to win the game in a goal-to-go situation at the end. So it was creative, and I won't criticize it, but I'm also not ready to put that game plan in the Louvre either. Like, what would you think about it? (laughs) I don't know if the Louvre would know what to do with a football yeah. game plan. I think they'd look at that and say, what the hell is this? This isn't soccer. Uh, um, but I would just say a couple things. Like, number one, as far as some of those more traditional stats that we're used to judging games off of, it's hard for those to really apply because, you know, third down, for instance. Well, if you're in a spot where you can't, reasonably kick a field goal or have any idea where the ball is going to go when you punt, does it not become more of a four down game in some situations? I understand the Patriots still punted plenty in that one, but you know, I, I, that's why I hesitate to look at stats like that. And even the yards per carry thing, I understand, you know, take the Damian Harris run out their numbers obviously go down, but Brady, I will ask you, since you gave me the statistic, did you also take out all of the Mac Jones kneel downs at the end? I did not. So, okay. So, okay. I mean, they, he lost about like 12 yards on some of those because he was trying to run around and burn some clock too. So, you know, if you take those out and, you know, they lost, they, they had, they lost 10 yards rushing in the fourth quarter, which is remarkable mm-hmm. to me. So they finished through three quarters with 233 yards rushing. Wow. And then the game, you know, changes a little bit and they're trying to melt clock and, and we get all that so that, you know, even with the Harris run through three quarters, I think they were closer to like 4.5, 4.6 yards per carry. So I just feel like it it was it is deserving of a lot of credit because how many coaches would actually go to those lengths? Right. How many coaches would just treat it as, oh, it's the wind and 
you know, we were in the red zone still four times and we should have done better than one for four or our average starting field position was the 40 yard line. And so we should have done, we should have scored more points than we did. That was what Sean McDermott said after the game, not really understanding how the game was so severely impacted by the win. That's at least what he made it sound like at the end. You got to throw those numbers out the window to a certain extent and say, how do we win this game in these conditions? It felt like he was treating them more as an inconvenience than a major, major factor in how the game should have been called. And I, I think he would have called it a little bit differently had he acknowledged that. The thing that amazed me when I came in on Tuesday was the discipline with which the Patriots stuck to that plan. Though Whether we liked it or not, just the discipline to keep doing it. You know, we heard Patrick Mahomes say earlier this year, I got to do a better job at taking what they're giving me and not just getting impatient to try to make the big play. The Patriots were there. They are never impatient. They just stuck with it, even at a time where you feel like you would get. If I was playing a video game, I would get antsy to take a shot at some point, and they never did that. I thought for sure at some point you were going to see a real play action pass to try to take a shot down the field with, with, with the wind floated out there. I mean, they had 10 guys in the box for a lot of these snaps, Brady. It was insane what was happening. And it was an incredible show of discipline. I said after the game, talking to Tom Curran on our podcast, you know, he called it excessive, the number of runs that they called. And obviously, it was a, it was a huge number, so that's an appropriate word for that. But, but I said it was, it was a great show of restraint, yeah. you know, for the same reasons you're, you're enumerating. Like, to be able to stick with that and understand if we just don't screw this up, and they almost did with Nikhil Harry. I mean, imagine mm-hmm. if Nikhil Harry doesn't muff that punt. They, they kind of, you know, they've got a double-digit lead, which in those conditions probably feels like 30 points instead of 11 or whatever it mm-hmm. would have been. If we don't screw this up, which is what Mac Jones basically told us after the game, he said, if we didn't turn it over, we knew we'd be okay. And it turns out he was right. So what's a great way not to turn it over? Hand it to your big backs and <laughs> see if you can gash them on one. And they did. And that ends up being the difference in the game. Phil Perry, NBC Sports Boston, Patriots Insider with us here every single Friday on WDEV right here on the Brady Farkas Show. Pats are 9-4. and four. They've won seven straight. What do they need to address here in the bye week? I would just say that if there is something they can address, it would just be to understand what their tendencies are and see if they can stay a step ahead by changing some of those up. And that can get a little bit dangerous because you don't want to get away from what's been working well for you. But, you know, I think other years, Brady, at the bye week, you would say, well, man, they just, they've just got to get healthy or they've got to figure out this glaring issue on third down or they've got to figure out who their number two corner is going to be. They, the team is pretty well established on both sides of the ball. They're very balanced. I would say, you know, statistically, if you're looking at it, what's one area that they could be better at that would carry them late in the year would be red zone success. They're still more of a middle of the pack team there compared to others. But boy, they've got the best defense in the league. They've got an offense that has proven over the course of the last two weeks. If you need to throw 30 times to win, they can do that against a good defense, which they did against the Titans. If you need to run it 46 times, they can do that too. So there's not a lot of glaring issues here. It would just be to me again, okay, we run these X number of plays a lot in these specific situations. Is there anything else we can turn to to just give teams a little bit more pause? That would be that would be the number one issue for me. Like I, I do think there are some other issues with this team, Brady. Like long term, you know, uh, whether it's 
against the Bills at home in Foxborough, or if they end up seeing the Chiefs in the postseason, they really haven't seen an excellent passing game in a long time. That's just the fact of the matter. They, they saw the Chargers, um, you know, weeks ago when they, you know, really kind of started going on this run that they're on right now. But since then, it's been a mess in terms of who they've seen, whether it's at quarterback or the combination of the quarterback and the receivers, like Matt Ryan's a pretty good quarterback. The rest of what he had going for him in that passing game when they saw them on Thursday night was a disaster. Yeah. So I still do have some questions as to how would they fare against Patrick Mahomes in that group. But the good thing for them is they might not have to worry about that until they're a round or two into the postseason. So, you know, even a concern like that is not a huge concern because I don't understand or I don't see anywhere on this regular season schedule where something like that is going to come back to bite them. Burt Breer said yesterday on NBC Sports Boston that Mac Jones might make $65 million a year um, in his next contract. And I don't really care about the number. I always care more about percentage of the cap that the quarterback is taking up than the number. But still, the number was startling. You know what's crazy is if you're going off percentage of the cap, and you want to look at Mahomes as the the market setting contract at that position, it actually would be a little bit more than 65 per year. <laughs> Mahomes, Mahomes is making about 25% of his team's cap this year. And I understand it's a it's a COVID season impacted cap. So the cap is a little bit down. His number is way up. So, you know, it's it's and it's not even his number specifically this year. It's the average annual value of his contract compared to this year's cap. So it's a little bit of a wonky statistic but it just tells you how much the chiefs value him and his presence on their roster that they're willing to get dedicate that much money to the guy if you get quarterbacks making almost a quarter of your cap at a 300 million dollar cap which is what Burt was talking about yeah the league potentially getting to we're talking about 70 ish million a year i mean it's it's out of control i think to a certain extent and that's why it is important to at least have an eye on it. It's Mac Jones' first year in the league. I get it. Um, but it but it is important to at least consider like what might be coming, you know, because if you are planning on paying the guy significant, significant money in that sort of world, you gotta start budgeting for that stuff right now, you know, or you you better at least start planning for it. It's gonna impact how you handle free agency this offseason, next offseason, until you can actually extend him and start setting that money aside. And if you don't want to do that, well, then you better prepare yourself in some other ways. You know, might be a good idea to draft at that position. You know, it doesn't have to be a first round pick, but do what the Patriots did from 2008 to 2016, where, you know, they spent day two picks on Kevin O'Connell, Ryan Mallett, Jimmy Garoppolo, Jacoby Brissett with Tom Brady on the roster and as one of the best quarterbacks in football. That was smart of them to do that. They should continue to take that kind of approach, even though they have a very young quarterback on the roster, because he could command eventually a salary so massive that even if the Patriots love him, which they do right now, they would say, oh, I don't know if that's a great plan for us long term because it's going to impact the rest of our roster, Mac. So. You make it sound much better today than you did the other day when I heard you say adopting the collegiate model where Bill Belichick just lets his quarterback graduate every four years and never pays him. Matt Castle ripped you for that. This sounds smarter. This is a smarter, well-said version take. of that. It's, Great, the, same it's the same take, take, but this one sounds better. Well, just because I'm not yelling at Castle because I'm not pissed <laughs> off and out in the cold. Like, <laughs> yeah. No, it's the same take. It, it, it is. I, you know, I think there's going to – look, the Browns are doing it right now. I think the Browns are smart front office. 
Uh, I think the Ravens are a smart front office, which is why they've kind of hesitated on this because they know Lamar Jackson, you know, he's, he's a very good quarterback. Is he the kind of guy you want to commit a ton of money to and then depend on him to carry your team moving forward? I think he is. And I think the Ravens will decide that as well. I think the Browns know that Baker Mayfield is not that guy. And so I think they're going to be one of the first ones to look at who a guy who is essentially an average quarterback and say, you know what? We might not be able to do better right away with you, but we know we're going to be putting ourselves in a bad spot if we pay you more than what you're worth. And that's just the reality. The quarterback position is those guys get paid more than what they're worth. I don't think Castle like would even factor that into his discussion. We, you know, he's saying, well, yeah, if he, if he doesn't succeed, then you don't pay him. Okay, well, that's a great thing to say, which is what he said. But what's success at that position? He's saying, well, if you go to a Super Bowl, you win Rookie of the Year. Well, all right, but Carson Wentz almost won MVP. Jared Goff took his team to a Super Bowl. Those teams are kicking themselves because they gave those guys massive, massive second contracts. I think they would have liked. I think they both would like a redo on that one. And, yeah. and you get in such a bad position that you end up, you know, paying just to get rid of those guys with draft capital or you know financially. So you got to be careful with the money that you. you I, I know you love the quarterback. Everybody loves the quarterback. I really like the quarterback. I think he's going to be really good. I don't know if he's going to be worth top of the market money. I think the Patriots probably have to feel the same way. I don't know how they could know for a fact that they're going to start doing that with him in three years. Maybe they do. But you've got to be careful at that spot because if you give too much to the wrong guy, it can set you back. Phil Perry, Pat's Insider, NBC Sports Boston, pre- and post-game live on Days of Patriots games. The next Pat's podcast had Dante Scarnecchia on recently, which was a cool interview, and then the Tom Curran Patriots Talk podcast as well. So, Phil, next week we're going to be getting ready for a big matchup with the with the uh, Indianapolis Colts, so look forward to that, and we'll talk to you in seven days. All right, sounds good, Brady. Appreciate you.